have your Bibles with you this morning, turn with me, if you would, to the book of Psalms. Psalms chapter 90. Chapter 90. All right. And we are going to go to verse 10. Got it? Say praise the Lord. All right. The days of our years are threescore years and ten, which is seventy. Threescore is a score is is twenty, so threescore is sixty and ten. That's seventy. And if by reason of strength they be fourscore, which means eighty years, Yet is there strength, labor, and sorrow. In other words, if you live past 70, it's going to be with laboring and sorrow because our bodies are, or the Lord declared that we would live 70 years. If by strength, if by reason of strength they be fourscore years, yet is there strength, labor, and sorrow. For it is soon cut off and we fly away. Who knoweth the power of thine anger? Even according to thy fear, so is thy wrath. So teach us to number our days. Notice what he said in verse 11. Who knoweth the power of thine anger? Who in the world knows the power of God's anger? Buddy, when God is angry, there is no limit to his power. Who knoweth the power of thine anger? Even according to thy fear, so is thy wrath. Amen. Even according to the fear of man, of God, so is thy wrath. He said, so teach us to number our days that we may apply our hearts unto wisdom. Father, for the next few moments here this morning, I ask you to just use me as a mouthpiece for the Holy Ghost. Lord, give us the spiritual ears to hear your voice in this word today. Give us the spiritual eyes to see the path as you lay it out before us. And, Lord, give us the godly wisdom that we need to walk in that path. We thank you and we praise you for it. And everybody said in Jesus' name, amen. You can be seated. Numbering our days is what we're going to be talking about for just a few moments here this morning. So teach us, verse 12, to number our days that we may apply our hearts unto wisdom. So what does that what does that mean? The duty here that is suggested number our days. That's our that's our duty. Now let's take a look and see. Um, Sister Quick, I know you really like this scripture as do I. Get me Ecclesiastes twelve, verse thirteen. Brother Edward, give me James 4, 13 through 15. Ecclesiastes 12, verse 13, sister, whenever you get it. Listen very carefully today. Okay, thank you. Did you notice what it said there? Let us, let us take a look at the whole conclusion of the matter, the conclusion of the whole matter. He said, hey. This was the wisest man that ever lived, who was given wisdom by God, who wrote Ecclesiastes, Solomon, the wisest man that ever lived on this earth. He said there was never one as wise as him before him, nor would there be one after him. He had given him a wisdom in the world above all 
the wisdom of man. And after, after Solomon had searched out all these things and, and spent, uh, spared no expense, he held not back anything. Everything that could be tried, he tried it. Everything that could be done, he did it. He didn't just do it, but he did it to excess. He held nothing back. And after all the things he'd done, he said, let us what? What? No, no, no. He said, let us, let us hear the conclusion of the whole matter. Isn't that what he said? Let us hear the conclusion. In other words, the synopsis of the whole thing. Let us just sum it all up. He said, let me sum it up in just a short little over phrase right here. Everything in this life, he said, let me tell you, it, it can all be summed up like this. This is the wisest man that God gave wisdom above all men. He said, fear God and keep His commandments. For this is the whole duty of man. That's it, folks. It can all be summed up by two things. What's number one? Fear God. Let me tell you something, folks. People say, well, I'm not, I don't fear God. You're going to hell. You're not going to make heaven, buddy, because if you don't fear God, you'll never make heaven. He commands that you fear Him. He doesn't command that you love Him. Even when He commands you love Him, if you search it out, it's fear. The Bible said that He is the reward of them to diligently seek Him. The Bible also said that, that there is no want to them that fear Him. So fear God and keep His commandments. Now let me ask you a question. Do you keep His commandments because you love Him? You better think about that. Did you keep all of Mama's and Daddy's laws because you loved them so much? Why did you keep Mama's and Daddy's laws? So, uh, 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 because you feared that belt. If, if you were in my world, huh, that's how my world operated right there. Now, don't get me wrong. I love my daddy and I love my mama. I, I, man, I cherish my father. He was my hero. But let me tell you something. With whippings, I turned out as bad as I did. Without it, there is no telling where I'd ended up. But I'm going to tell you, love may bring you. Fear is what's going to keep you. That's fact. You know the problem today is there's not a church on earth that I know of that's preaching fear. They're all preaching love. There's not any of them preaching repentance. They're all preaching forgiveness. Why? Because repentance is on you. Forgiveness is on Him. You see, the devil has taken the law out of the book. And he's put everything on mercy. He's put everything on grace. Everything on love, mercy, and grace. Those three. But there ain't nothing about fear. There ain't nobody fearing God. There ain't nobody afraid of God. That's how they can not go to church. That's how they can 
do the things they do and not feel bad about it because they're not afraid of Him. Why? Because, well, He just loves us anyway. He knows we're sinners. And, oh, my goodness, now He just loves us anyway. They don't know what the Word of God says. They don't know what it says. You know what they think it says? They think it says whatever Joel Osteen tells them it says. They think it says whatever these big, fancy, multi-billionaire preachers tell them. But how do you think they got so rich? By preaching the message I'm preaching? I'm preaching the truth. I've shown you what I'm preaching in the Word of God. I've shown you the truth. I'm preaching in the Word of God. You don't get rich preaching this message. i tell you right now, you see a rich preacher, you see a liar. He just loves his congregation. He hateth his congregation. The Bible says he hates them. Because he doesn't love them enough to tell them the truth, no matter what. Don't get me wrong. Oh, I like money. It takes money to live. It takes money to live. I could have a lot more people than this in this building. <laughs> I can't even tell you how many thousands of people I've preached to through the years. Thousands of them. I mean tens of thousands of them. And I could have a whole bunch of them sitting in this building right now. This building could cover up half this property right here. And I guarantee you, I would have never had to build this stuff right here. I'd have had some of the some of the top of the line carpenters, man, had this stuff flown in from all over the world and everything else, man. We'd have big old glass cathedrals in here and waterfalls and hoo-hoo. This makes me feel out warm and fuzzy. You don't get rich preaching what I preach. Because it don't sell. It don't sell. But you know what I'm going to joy in? You know what I joy in? I joy in seeing you two sitting in these seats this morning. I joy in seeing all these other people sitting in these seats this morning. And you know what's going to make me even happier than that? That if you stay with me, and one day I'm going to look across heaven. And I'm going to see you standing on streets that's been paved with pure gold. I'm going to see holiness and righteousness and purity. I'm going to see truth. Amen. And I'm going to see a smile all the way around your head. I'm going to tell you I'd rather you hate me into heaven than love me into hell. I'm not here to make you like me. I'm here to show you how to get home. I'm here to preach the devil out of you if that's what you got in you. I'm here to help you know what the Master said. Hallelujah. Praise God. And I'm going to tell you something. I may be hard, but you'll never find anybody in this life that cares more about your soul than I do. Man, I'll get on my knees and pray with you till the cows come home, buddy. I'll be the guy that stands beside you no matter what. Amen. And I'll be the one to take that bullet for you, buddy, if it comes down to it. Because I'm not a hireling. When I see the wolf come, I'm not just going to throw my hands up and run and say, have at it. I'm going to jump on that wolf. He may kill me, but he's going to have to kill me to get to you. Because you're sheep of my pasture. Praise God that God put me in charge of. And just like David, amen, that's why David was anointed king. Not that I would ever compare myself to David because I couldn't, I couldn't even, uh, uh, I'm not even worthy to be his shoe latchet. But I tell you, Jesus picked David because David understood how to be a shepherd. All the other sons were up there 
where where uh, 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 Samuel was when he went to anoint him uh, uh, king out of out of the sons of Jesse. Where was David? David wasn't even there. He was out in the in the fields watching his father's sheep. Amen. And a lion came one time to get one of them sheep. And David didn't just wait and throw his hands up and run. He ran after that lion. He took that sheep back from that lion. He killed that lion with his bare hands. They didn't have guns back in that day. David jumped on that lion and killed that lion and took that sheep back. And a bear one time came to get one of his sheep. And he jumped on that bear and killed that bear with his, with his bare hands. And he took that sheep back. That's how I feel about this flock. This is my pasture right here. These are the Lord's sheep, and you're not going to take a one of them, buddy. The Word of God tells us here, teach us to number our days that we may apply our hearts unto wisdom. That's what I want to talk to you about today, church. The whole duty of man is to get ready to meet Jesus. Fear God and keep His commandments. The Bible said, Brother Edward, give me the Scripture you got there in James. Listen carefully to this. Listen carefully to this. Whereas you know not what shall be on the morrow. He said, you say, I'm going to go do this and do that, and we're going to do this this year, and next year we're going to do this, and we're going to do that. And he said, hey, you know not. What shall be on the morrow? Come on. What is your life? What is your life? It is even a vapor. It's a vapor. Come on. Appeareth for a little time and then vanisheth away. It's gone. Uh huh. What you ought to say is if the Lord will, we shall live and do what? And do this or that. If the Lord will, we shall do this or that. (laughs) Amen. It is even a vapor. Brother Edward, give me Psalms 103, 15 and 16. Listen carefully. For as for man, come on. His days are as grass. Yep. Wind passeth over it, and it is gone. Just like that. How many of you remember when you were just a child? Remember? Remember when you were just a little bitty fellow, a little bitty, little bitty girl? Just like that. It's gone. When you're a child, it seems like an eternity. When you're older... You look back and say, man, where did the time go? Where did it go? Church, we live like this life is never going to end. We live like we have plenty of time. This is what I'll do, we say. Brother Camacho, give me Luke 12, 15 through 21. We we live like it's never going to end. 
Come on. Listen carefully. Listen, ground of a certain rich man. He said, a man's life consisteth not of the things which he possesseth. You know, we all have that. Sometimes we get that, especially as men, we get that king of the hill theory going on. He who dies with the most toys wins. And we joke about that stuff all the time. But really, it's a real thing. It's a real thing in men. They have this pride thing. And this, I got more than you got. Or mine's better than yours. And this and that and other. We have this thing. It's called pride. The Bible says... Pride goeth before destruction, and a haughty spirit before a fall. Let me tell you something. The most you'll ever get still dung to God. He paves His streets with pure gold. He puts the things that are the most precious things that man has ever seen or known to Him, and God uses them in His concrete for the foundations of His buildings. He cut each gate, each gate... There are 12 gates, and each gate is cut of one pearl. That's a big pearl, folks. That's a big oyster. But that's what the Bible says. Each gate is cut of one pearl. That's how rich God is. This stuff we call riches and we compare ourselves among ourselves and buy ourselves down here which the, world, which the Lord says is not wise is foolishness with God. He said the ground of a certain rich man brought forth plentifully. Listen. He thought within himself, hmm. What am I going to do? My goodness, now, what shall I do? I don't have nowhere to put all my stuff. What's he say? Yeah, this will I do. I'll pull down my barns and I'll build greater. Come on. There will I bestow my, all my fruits. Come on. He said, man, I'll say to myself, so thou hast much goods laid up for many years. Come on. Take thine ease. Eat, drink, and be merry. Come on. Listen to, listen to what the Lord said to this man. Listen to what he said. He said, Thou fool, this very night thy soul shall be required of thee. Come on. Then who shall those things be that thou hast laid up? Come on. Thou hast provided. So is he that layeth up treasure for himself and, and is not rich toward God. You see that? Here's a man feeling great. Didn't say anything about this being a sickly man. Didn't say this man having chest pains. Didn't say this man not feeling any, I mean, wasn't feeling bad and had no sickness. Didn't say this was an old guy. Didn't say this guy was on his last leg. Didn't say he had any kind of diseases or anything like that. Here's this man counting his days, you know, as way off. 
He's just living for today, living for tomorrow, living for next week, next month, next year. He said, yeah, man, what am I going to do? I got so much. I got so much. What am I going to put on this stuff? I don't have to worry. This is what I'll do. I'll tear down those old barns, and I'll build me new ones, bigger ones, because I've got lots of money laid up for many years. And he said, I'll say to my soul, soul, take thine ease, for thou hast much goods for many years. He said, man, he said, said, and I'll say to myself, eat, drink, be merry. See? But the Lord said unto him, Thou fool, this very night thy soul shall be required of thee. Then who shall those things be that thou hast provided? Ever know somebody that died just like that suddenly? That had no idea they was going to die, had no earthly idea. All of a sudden, just like that. Well, he was old. Really. My daughter wasn't. She was almost to her 28th birthday, just a few days away. Talked to her the very night she died, the evening that she died. Don't preach to me, Daddy. Don't preach to me, Daddy. She had no idea she wasn't going to see her 28th birthday. She had no idea when she talked to me on the phone. It would be the last time we ever talked. Neither did I. Because if I had had, I'd hung her phone up, went over and snatched her hair out, drug her back to my house and put her in chains. So you going to church whether it kills you or not, whether it kills you. Not that it would have done any good. But the Bible says, Boast not thyself of tomorrow. But thou knowest not what another day may bring. See, everybody in this building right here sitting here right now thinking about what you're going to do tomorrow, next week, next month, next year. But the bottom line is, is how ready are you to meet Jesus? And how much are you putting off something that needs to happen right now? Because you, you're taking for granted that you're going to be here tomorrow or next day. But this man right here, he was counting his, he was counting his money. He was counting his money. But you know what the Bible said? So are they that are, have much goods and they're rich. Much have much goods, but they're not rich toward God. They've laid up a lot. He laid up a lot for his retirement. It looked like he was getting ready to retire, didn't it? He said, I'm going to say to my soul, take thine ease, eat, drink, and be merry. For you that has much goods laid up for many years. So he had plenty to retire on. You know what he did? He spent all these years working, all his life seeking that almighty dollar, the power, the status, the, the positioning in life. I'm sure everybody around him looked at his big profitable farm that he spent all these years working on and, man, getting it just right. Man, everybody said, well, whoo, man, Farmer Brown over there, man. I'm going to tell you, that old boy got a farm right there, son. Make you, make you throw your farm out in the street, man. I'm going to tell you, that farm man make me feel, make me want to quit. Oh, yeah. Wonder how he's liking it now, his big fancy farm. Wonder if all his buddies in hell down there patting him on the back. No, ain't nobody patting nobody on the back. They're burning, son. 
They're in hell just like him. And I don't think anybody's over bowing down to old Elvis either because he's in hell today too. How can you judge him? I didn't judge him. The Word of God judges him. I know what that Word says right there, and I know how the man was living. You ain't going to live like hell in the last three seconds say, Lord, forgive me, you're going to heaven. You've lost your mind. But that's what the devil wants people to think. That's what the devil wants people to think, that Jesus did it all, and he's just going to love you through it all. And he's just everybody's going to heaven when they die. Unless you're really, really bad now. You know, like Jeffrey Dahmer, or like, uh, 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 like Timothy McVeigh, or like, uh, or like uh, Charles Manson now. But if you ain't, it's okay. It's, you know, being a queer is really not too bad. Being a homosexual is not really too bad. I mean, if you're really nice. Because Jesus is looking at your heart. Did you know what it said over there? I, the Lord, look on the heart. Remember what we were talking about earlier today? Sister Erica, would you run over for me to Jeremiah 17, 9, and 10, please? Let me tell you. How many, let, me, let me ask you a question. Let me ask you a question. How many of you ever heard somebody say, Well, I don't know about all that, but the Lord knows my heart. Huh? Anybody? Don't don't get ahead of me. Don't read it. Don't read it. Lift, lift your eyes up. Don't be reading it. Don't get ahead of me. Listen to me. How many of you ever heard somebody say, "Well, you know, are you, how come you don't go to church? How you don't do this? How don't you do it?" Well, the Lord knows my heart. Have you ever heard that? You ever heard it? Well, I guess He does know your heart. Let's see what Jesus has to say about your heart. Tell me what the Lord says about your heart right here. Stop right there for just a minute. Uh-oh. Oh, my God, what? Uh, heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. What's the heart? It's right here. Here's your heart right here. There's your heart. It's deceitful above all things. There's nothing in this life that is more deceitful than the heart of man, than your heart. Oh, my God, what are you saying? Oh, my God, somebody shoot this man. Somebody shoot this mean, wicked man. Jesus himself, God said this. The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? The Bible says your heart is desperate to be wicked. You want to be wicked. Your heart wants to be wicked. It is living to be wicked. Who can know it? But listen to what the listen to what the Lord said after this. But I, the Lord, come on. I, the Lord, search the heart. He's searching that heart. Come on. I try the reins. The Lord said, "I try the reins." What does that mean, Sister Erica? That He tries the reins. What's that mean? He searches your heart. How does He search that heart? He tries the reins. He'll pull you over towards something this way, pull you over towards something this way. He tries the reins to see which way it is you're going to fall, to which way it is you want to go. Come on. I try the reins even what? Even to give every man according to his ways and and according to the fruit of his doings. 
See, the devil's got a tailor-made plan just for you, and so does God. And God's going to try those reins. He searches the heart. He searches this right here. Now, let me ask you another question. Y'all don't let me get off on the deer trail, because I, I bring me back to that trail right there, because you know how I do. I'll forget what I was talking about. But I want to just get off on this little old trail for just a minute. Let me ask you a question. Have, have you ever, have you ever, let me ask y'all a question, because y'all knew I would pick on y'all. Let me ask y'all a question. Have you ever prayed without opening your mouth? Everybody else? All of us? We all have? Yep. Now let me ask all of you a question. You believe he hurt you? You believe he hurt you? Let that sink in just a minute. So you prayed, you didn't open your mouth. You believe it hurt you. Right? What about all that other filthy stuff goes through your minds? <gasps> huh? Uh-huh. You ever thought about that? How much do you think about that? Because he's searching this all the time. See, it's like a programmer for computers. Only the man that programmed and wrote that computer and the programs in that computer, you're never going to lock him out of it because he designed it and he designed him a back door that no one on earth knows but him. So no matter what you do, he's got a back door and he can always go in. But the thing with the Lord is he said, you are naked and open unto him with whom we have to do. You are completely naked before God. Your mind is an open book. There is no closed door. Now, the person sitting next to you may not know what you're thinking. The person you're talking to may not know what you're thinking. But God always knows what you're thinking because He's watching it right before His eyes. He has a picture. Now, let me tell you something. We build images up in our mind, but let me tell you what God sees, the picture. Whatever you're thinking about, God's seeing a color screen picture of it. You know how they... Matter of fact, man can do that now. I saw not too long ago where they had this man hooked up to a bunch of probes on his head. And they, they had a computer, and everything he thought of was on that computer. Everything he thought of. He said, I want, you to, I want you to think of a guy playing baseball. And he did. And there was the guy playing baseball. Exactly what he was thinking was on that screen. The Bible said in the last days, knowledge shall be increased. Let me tell you something, buddy. This, everything you think of in this life, just like the guy at, uh, what was it, Lockheed Martin? This has been several years ago now when I first told you all about this, when I heard this for the first time. But talked to one of, the, one of the richest guys in the world. He went to him and talked to him, and he said, man, he said, uh, this guy, Lockheed Martin, he's a weapons creator and all that kind of stuff, and an intel creator and all that. And he asked him, he said, man, he said, uh, how far along are we, man? What, what do we have? Do we have stuff we don't know about? He said, let me tell you something, friend. And this guy knew him real well. They were good, good buddies, been raised together. And this was the head guy of Lockheed Martin. 
and he said, everything that you can even dream up in your mind, we're 50 years beyond that. 50 years beyond that. And he said, you're kidding me. He said, you can't even imagine the things we have in your mind. He said, would you care to elaborate on that? And he said, no. I would not. But let me tell you something. Everything that's even even fantasistic stuff that you have seen or heard of, God is a trillion years beyond that. This is nonsense with God. The Bible says He chose the foolishness of preaching. See, all this is silliness and nonsense with God. Trivial. But, as you can see, this is serious stuff, folks. There's a whole lot more to this than people know. And there's certainly a whole lot more to it than people are being taught. Now, back to back to where we were. Teach us to number our days. What does that mean? The Bible says in Matthew 24, 37 through 44, that Sister Sharon is getting me right now. Matthew 24, 37 through 44. Yeah. While you're looking that up, give me just a minute. Now, remember what the Lord said to this man over in the book of Luke. Thou fool. This very night thy soul shall be required of thee. Then who shall those things be that thou hast provided? So is he that is laid up treasures on earth but is not rich toward God. Let me ask you a question. Let me ask you a question this evening or this morning. If God came to you and said that right now, would it change your plans? If God came to you, on the way home from church today, or if God came to you now and said, hey, this very night, I'm coming for you. Your soul is going to be required of you. You're going to be standing in judgment before me today, tonight, this night. Would it change the rest of your day? Would it change what you're thinking about? There's a sign out there on that street. See, I put a lot of signs out there that the Lord gave me to put out there. I put those signs out there. You know what they are? They're things to cause people to stop and think. I put on one of them out there. If today was your last day on this earth, would you do anything different? Question mark. And then at the bottom of it, I said, it just might be. Every one of us has known people that have died like that. And you're like, <gasps> you get the call, and it's like, 
What? What? Nah. Nah. No way. What? I just talked to him. What? I mean, I just, just talked to him a few hours ago. What are you talking about? What are you talking about? <laughs> Sometimes even the ones left behind are not ready to hear that. And when you know the one they're talking about wasn't ready to meet Jesus, you're really not ready to hear that. Because it's too late. See, a lot of times people don't understand why I am the way I am and why I am so hard and why I am so poignant and why I am so matter-of-fact. But something has got to happen to wake you up. Something has got to happen to wake the people of this world up and let them know you are living a lie. You are living a lie if you think God cannot come for you right now. Right now. Right now. This could be your last day. This could be your last day. And my job as a pastor, as a chosen vessel of God to preach His Word, to be instant in season, out of season, to warn God's people. In Ezekiel 33, it says in verse 7 and uh, 37 and, and uh, 317 and 337, both say, I have set thee a watchman unto the house of Israel. You shall hear the word at my mouth and warn them from me. He didn't say tell them. He didn't say preach to them. He said, you're going to hear the word at my mouth. I'm going to speak to you, and I want you to warn my people from me. This book is not a fairy tale. It's not a novel. It's not a storybook. It is a warning to God's people. I'm coming. You better get yourself ready. I'm coming, and I'm coming with a sword. It's a church... If any pastor loves God's people and loves his flock and loves uh, uh, loves the people that God has sent him to, uh, he will be honest enough with you to let you know that you better get ready because if you've been taught anything other than what I'm teaching you, somebody has lied to you. Well, that's scary. Praise God. I hope it scares the life out of you. Paul said, he said, where he had spoken, and most people would have wrote him off, but the Word of God said, Paul said he wasn't sorry. He wasn't sorry for preaching so hard to them because it scared them unto repentance. It scared him unto repentance. It scared those people enough to make them stop and repent. And that's exactly what the Word of God is for. God's not here to tell you about how great you're doing. God's not here to tell you about how proud He is of you. 
Look at the letters to the seven churches in the book of Revelations where he wrote letters to the seven churches. And people say, uh, they take they take for granted, they just think nothing of it. But God wrote those letters and he said, yeah, he said, you did this good, you did that good. He said, but, but, he said, this one thing thou lackest. He says, ye have forgotten your first love. In other words, you know, if you're not careful in a marriage, the newness can wear off and you can lose that fire that you once had. Like my little darling right here. She couldn't even function when she met me. Oh, Lord. Oh, oh, my Lord, that man of mine. Oh, my God, Lord. <laughs> you know what? If you ain't careful... Before long, it may turn into, Dear God, what did you do to me, Lord? You know. But you know what? You gotta keep that, you gotta keep that fire burning. You gotta keep that, that love alive. But you know what Jesus said here in the letters to the seven churches? He said, You forgot your first love. I was your first love, man. You loved me like no other. You gave your life to me. You poured yourself out before me. You humbled yourself before me. You was a good wife. You were doing everything you were supposed to do. He said, but you forgot your first love. And you started running around on me with everything down the pipe. And he said, he said, listen, he said, you did this and you did that, but that one thing, he said, hey, but you forgot your first love. Therefore, he said, repent and do the First works or else I will come unto thee quickly and will remove thy candlestick from out of its place except ye repent. What does repent mean? It means to stop, turn about, and go the other way. What the Lord was saying, yeah, yeah, you're doing this good and that good and this good, but let me tell you why I'm fixing to put you in hell. That's exactly what the Lord said. He wrote those letters to the churches, the seven churches. Yeah, you're doing this good and that good and this good and that good, and you're doing this good, and that's great. And you can't stand people that's doing this against me and all this kind of stuff, but but you're going to hell. I'm going to put you in hell unless you stop this nonsense and get yourself back where you started. You see what I mean? This notion that we're all just going to heaven is a lie from hell. God didn't put that in the book. It ain't in that book. Let me tell you where it's at. It's in the book of pulpits. There ought to be a book of pulpits. There is a book somewhere. Somebody made a book of pulpits. It's these old lying, these thieving, lying, scumbag preachers that's teaching you how to have your best life now. Honey, you better believe if you ain't ready to meet Jesus, this is as good as it's going to get. You better show sure enough enjoy it. You better have your best life now because it's the best one you're ever going to get. When somebody comes to this church... I want you to come to this church and I want you to leave this church going, you know what? I ain't never, I ain't never heard nothing like that. I ain't never thought of, of it from that perspective. Wow. How did I miss all this stuff in that Bible? That's how you missed it. Because it ain't being taught. It's not being preached. It's not being taught. This is the stuff God intended to be taught in these churches. Is it hard? No. It can be hard against your flesh. But you know what? You just, you know, it's working hard. Uh, 
Yeah. I mean, is every day that you go to work, is it just like a cakewalk? Is it just like living a dream? Sometimes it's like living a nightmare. But you know what? It doesn't change me from getting up and going to work. Because it's got to be done. You know what you do? You just settle it in your mind. It's got to be done. Well, you know what? The Bible said straight, he said, hey, he said, broad. Broad is the way that leadeth unto destruction. And many there be that go in thereat. But here's a little word people miss. Everybody misses this next word. It says, broad is the way that leadeth unto destruction, and many there be that go in thereat. Because straight is the gate, and narrow is the way that leadeth unto life, and few there be that find it. Great and broad is that way. Why is that way so wide? And why is there so many that go in there at? Because straight is the gate, narrow the way that leadeth unto life, and few there be that find it. How many is going to make heaven? Fewer than your mind can possibly wrap around, I guarantee you. Only a third of the real church is going to make it. How do I know that? Because the Bible declares it. That's not the message for today, but but you'll hear it. Stick around. So if God came to us and said, This very day, thy soul shall be required of thee. Would it change your schedule? Would it change your priorities? We don't have time for programs, folks. We're not here to build a bunch of programs in the church. We do love to have little children do, uh, put on their uh, things and stuff. We love that, and I just that just thrills my heart. But we don't have time for a bunch of programs, and we don't have time for to build a bunch of buildings for this program and that pre- program and things like that. We don't have time for a bunch of foolishness. Sister, get me Romans nine twenty eight. Sister Sharon, come on with it. I'm sorry. Oh, you had quite a bit yet. Come on. Uh, uh, yeah, from, uh, 37 to 44, yes. Now listen carefully to this. See, as it was in the days of Noah, or Noah, in the days of Noah, so shall the coming of the Son of Man be. What were they doing? Come on, sister. They were eating, drinking, marrying, and giving in marriage. Come on. Until the day, until that day, the very day. Let me tell you something. There's coming a day. Noah was building the ark for over a hundred years. And the Lord was long-suffering and was patient while the ark was a-preparing. The Bible called it was a-preparing. I know God's a country boy because he said it was a-preparing. So there you go. So, okay, so while it was prepared, a hundred years, over a hundred years he was preparing, but there came a day. Let me tell you something, there's coming a day. Come on. And knew not until the flood came, took them all away. So shall also the coming of the Son of Man be. That through 44? 
Okay, come on. Yeah. Okay. Now, this is not... Okay, some people think, well, see, that says 50%. No, that ain't 50%. That's just saying this is how it's going to be, that there may be two in the field and one may be taken and the other left, and you're standing there, gone, you're gone. I mean, that's it. Come on. Come on. Yep. Doth come. Now, back up and read that again. Therefore what? Okay. Watch, therefore. Come on. Watch, therefore. Thank you. Doth come. Okay, so that it? Okay. Know this. The good man of the house knew at what hour? Yep. And not suffered his house to be broken through. I see that. And you're blind like me, so. Yeah, right. Be ye therefore ready, for in such an hour. There you go. See? Thank you, sis. That's right. That's it, 244. See there? Church, we have a job to do. Now, yes, we are supposed to try to reach souls. We're trying to reach people. Yes, we are to try to reach people. But let me tell you something. The first thing you've got to do is get yourself ready. You've got to be ready. Be ye, therefore, ready. For in such an hour as ye think not, the Son of Man cometh. It don't do no good at all for you to be trying to get everybody else ready to go, and you ain't ready yourself. We have to be ready to meet Jesus. We have to get ready. Amen. And that's why you're here. Let me tell you something. God didn't bring you here. Bless you. Man, don't put you put them out the building. You keep that up. Man, lie. One, one put a bag over her head. Put two bags over her head in case one breaks. Man. Everybody jump out the window. I'm fixing to make one. She keeps that up. I'm going to make a window. Now, okay, so what are we here for? Hey, Amen. we're here to get ready. We're here to get ready. God didn't bring you down here because I'm such a great guy. She's absolutely on fire. She's fixing me on fire. I'm fixing to light her up here in a minute. No, he just used a little punk. I'm going to use a flamethrower. Yeah, no, ain't going to be no, oh, that burned. I'm going to light you up. But you know what? Folks, God brought you here because His Word is going forth here. That's why He brought you here. God brought you into this place to get you ready to meet Him. Now, see, I don't know when He's coming for you. I don't know when He's coming for me. And that's why. That's why I preach with a with a, a, a urgency. Thank you. Yes, with a sense of urgency. Because I never know if this is the last time I'm ever going to be able to preach to you. I don't know when God's coming for you. I don't know when He's coming for me. I know what I'm preaching. See, I know what I'm preaching. I don't know who everybody else is preaching to you may be preaching, but I know what I'm preaching is right. And so I want to make certain that you heard it from me 
you heard what the Lord told me to tell you from me, and whatever anything anybody else is teaching you or anything else you're hearing, that's on you and them. But what you heard while you were here is the truth. And it ain't to hurt you. It's not to damage you or injure you. It's to heal you and deliver you. I want you to know what He expects. I want you to know He does love you. He loves you enough to tell you the truth. The Bible says, What son is it that the Father chasteneth not? He said, Hey, if ye endure not the chastening of the Lord, then are ye bastards and not sons. He said, He that chasteneth not his son hateth his son. I know the Lord loves me, but He will slap the taste out of my mouth, buddy, if I do something against Him, and I thank Him for that. Everybody says, oh, well, thank you, Lord, for the blessings. Oh, thank you, God, for petting on me. It feels so good. Come on, Lord, look to the left, look to the right, look to the left, look to the right. Thank you, Jesus. Oh, right there, right there, I feel so good. Oh, thank you, Lord. No. No. What you ought to be saying is, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, for beating me like a like a drum, Lord. Because, Lord, the Bible says, He whom the Lord loveth, he whom the Lord loveth, he chasteneth. He whom the Lord loveth, he chasteneth. And scourgeth every son that cometh unto him. Why? Because he loves you enough to want you in heaven. And there's only one way for you to get to heaven, and that's miss hell. You're going to have to be holy. You're going to have to be righteous. You're going to have to be living that Word. You're going to have to be following that Word. You're going to have to be keeping all those commandments. That means you're going to have to be doing everything it says to do, and you're going to have to not be doing everything it says not to do. What if you miss one thing? Hell. Here's what it is. The Bible says, a little leaven leaveneth the lump. No leaven. The Bible says, purge out the old leaven and make ye a new lump. That's the reason we go to our altar every day. That's the reason we carry our cross with us. He said, he said if any man... Come after me. Let him lay. His, let him what? Deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. Why do you need a cross to take with you daily? Because you're going to have to crucify that flesh daily. That means every time you turn around. And if you stop and think about it, you know as well as I do, especially you men. I'm not a woman, so I don't know all things about a woman. But uh, but I do know how men think. And I'm going to tell you, if you're a man, you might already take four or five crosses with you because you're going to have lots of crucifying to do. You better take a truckload of nails with you. Because every time some of that wickedness crosses your mind or tries to come into your life or in through your eyes or ears or whatever it may be, it's time to pull that cross off and say, Oh, no, you don't, devil. Oh, no, you ain't flesh. Oh, no, you ain't. I've come too far to turn back now. You ain't about to trip me up now, devil. No kind of way. No way. Time to pull that cross out and crucify that flesh and get your feet right back in that path that you belong in. He said, if you judge yourselves, you shall not be judged. 
take care of it yourself or I have to. That's what that means. You ain't going to have to worry about me. See, I didn't have to worry about my daddy tearing me up. When I came to something, I didn't have to say, gosh, wonder if this would be okay with dad. Well, you're an idiot. Of course you know it's not okay with dad. Go ahead and do it and find out. You know. And you know, just like me, you had to try it sometimes. Yeah. You rolled the dice, and sometimes you might even got away with it. But let me tell you one thing you ain't never going to get away with rolling the dice with God. Because not only did he see it, but he's got a good record of it. And you're going to see it again. You're going to see it again when you stand before him. Well, you did pretty good. Mm-hmm. Yep. You almost made it. Uh-huh. You almost made it. Let me tell you something. You can miss heaven by a million miles. Or you can miss heaven by a quarter of an inch. Missed it is missed it. But everybody thinks they're the exception. Well, it really wasn't that bad. I mean, I'm generally good as a rule. The Bible says man's righteousness is filthy rags. Do you know what that means? You might want to look that one up. When the Lord talks about the filthy rags, you might want to look that one up. We need to have a sense of urgency. Why? Because we don't know when the Lord's coming for us. We need to live as though this is our last day. Because it just could be. You need to live as though this is the last opportunity you're ever going to have to get right with God. You need to live like this is your last day. The Word of God is a warning. Romans 9:28. A short work will the Lord make upon the earth. Brother Edward Luke 5:11. Luke 5:11. You know that's what God expects you to do. I'm going to ask everybody in this church, do you remember the first time you come through the doors? Remember the first time you sit down? Was it that sweet little smooth powder puff sugar-coated message that you was looking for? Was that the message you heard? Well, there's a rude awakening. But you know what? You know what happened to Peter? See, I'm building disciples, man. I'm not trying to I'm not trying to make friends. I'm building soldiers. There ain't no time for no powder puff plague time in here. Time is up. We're at the end. Can you see it? Can you see how close we are to the end, folks? Does it seem like we have enough time to be playing patty cake, patty cake? No, we don't. It's time to either get in or get out. It's time to get yourself ready, and it's time to put your sword in your hand, and it's time to get ready for battle because this is going to be a battle to the finish right here. And the Bible says, He that endureth unto the end, the same shall be saved. It does not say you're saved. 
He that endureth unto the end, the same shall be saved. I'm not concerned, nor do you need to be concerned with what you did yesterday, last month, last week, last year. What you need to be concerned with is what you're doing right now, what you're doing tonight, tomorrow, next week, next month, next year. That's what you need to be concerned with. There's not anything you can do with what you did yesterday. Nothing you can do with what you did last week. But you can do something about what you're doing now and next week next month and next year. I'm here to make you ready. Teach us to number our days. What does that mean? That means you need to you need to number your days. You need to know your days are numbered and you don't know when the last one's coming. So you need to number your days. Somebody doesn't number their days is just living on the cuff. They're not living thinking about there being an end to anything. There is no end to a man that has no number of days in his life. You're living a life without your days being numbered. You're just living. You're just living with just living wide open. But David said, "Teach us to number our days." You know why? So that we can attain unto wisdom. So we can we can know wisdom and. And have knowledge and we can we can live according to what the Word of God says. We can live wisdom. Teach me to realize, God, that... How many of you used to do things a little different than, than you do now that you're older? I see these young kids jumping off these cliffs with bicycles and stuff like that. Stuff we never even thought about doing. It's the craziest stuff I've ever seen in my life. I mean, it's, it's, it's really something to watch these kids, man. I'm going to tell you... No fear. I mean, none. Now, I used to be fearless when I was younger. Not quite that fearless. I think some of that's kind of mixed with a whole bunch of stupidity. But but, uh, but some of the things I used to do as a kid, ain't no way in the world I'd do them things anymore. I look back, it just makes me want to shake. It makes me start shaking to think about some of the stuff I used to do. Why? Because back then, I was invincible. I wasn't going to die. What are you talking about? I was young. But you know, I had a friend that was young. He was eight years old when he got run over and killed by a car, riding his bicycle in the street. Yeah. He was young and couldn't die either, but he did. There's kids that die every day. But you know what? We get older, we don't take those chances we used to take, right? Why? Because you have wisdom now. You live according to wisdom at least that degree of wisdom. But that's exactly what the Word's saying. You know what? Now you realize that, hey, there is an end. You've seen enough death in your life. You've seen enough disaster in your life to know that, hey, man, that could happen to me. Dear God, what am I thinking? You know? Or you look back and say, what was I thinking? You know? Well, that's just it. You weren't thinking what you wasn't thinking. You weren't thinking about death. That's what you weren't thinking of. You could. But what it's trying to say there, and, and that, you know, you could, of course, it could mean that as well. But what he's trying to say there is just... What it's trying to sum up right there in the summary of it is that, hey, you know, there's going to be people on this earth and they may be doing the same things and one's going to be taken because of not they're, they're working at the mill. 
they're doing a, they're doing a job and all that kind of stuff. You know what? Uh, it, it's, it's saying the same thing. You may have other people at your job doing things too, and but you're ready to meet Jesus. It's not what you're doing on your job that's got any uh, uh, anything to do with it, but what you're doing in your personal life. That's what's going to have to do with whether or not you make heaven. Amen. What you're doing with your whole life. Amen. So even though you're working in the mill, there. You know, just like you working in a place with all these people, if you're ready to meet Jesus, you're taken in their left. Does not matter. He's not going to be a. He's not a. Uh, 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 he's not. Uh, 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 what's the word I'm looking for? What? Yes, a respecter of person. Thank you. He's not a respecter of persons. It ain't going to have anything to do with what you do and your living and all that kind of stuff. It's how you're ready in your life. Amen. And it's not also saying it's a 50% one's going, one's staying. No, it's not. Whoever's ready is going. There may be two working side by side that go together. Amen. But he's just saying that, listen, it, it, there's going to be a separation of those that are ready and those that are not. No matter if there's 100 people working there, one's taken, or 100 people working there, 10 taken. Amen. Whoever's ready is going, and the others are going to be left. So he's coming. He's coming for you. He's coming for me. It's written. There's a time written for us. He knows the day and the hour. But no man knoweth the day nor the hour where the Son of Man cometh. You just need to know He's coming. And because you don't know what time it is, you know why I don't tell you what time it is? Because just like everybody on this earth, you'd wait till three and a half minutes before He got here. But that's why God said, hey, you know what? If that's the way you want to live, you don't care about me no way. There's a whole lot of people that really don't want to go to heaven. They just don't want to go to hell. They really don't want to go to heaven. They really would rather all that be a fake and they could just live like hell here or do anything they want to here and then all of a sudden, poof, it's gone. It's over with. Just black. Night. No more nothing. But let me tell you, that ain't the way it is. You're going to spend eternity in one place or the other. And there ain't going to be no changing it. There ain't going to be no begging your way out of it. There ain't going to be no nothing. It's not even negotiable. There's not going to be no talking about it. There's not going to be negotiation. Nothing. It's going to be final. Just like that. And when you breathe your last breath here, if you drive out of that driveway and get hit by a tractor trailer on the way out of its parking lot, and you breathe your last breath wherever you were headed, that's where you're going to be. Wherever you were headed at that time in your life, that's where you're going to be for eternity. There needs to be a sense of urgency. You need to number your days. You need to know they're numbered. You need to know. You need to live as though today was your last day on this earth. Stand with me.